0: I'm Dallas Barnes and I'm the founder and CEO of Rea Health. FemTech to me is an ecosystem and community of collaborators working on and delivering solutions that improve female health and wellness.
1: Welcome to FemTech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. To the FemTech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with FemTech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. Before I intro our guest, I want to tell you about some really exciting updates at FemTech Focus. First, we have migrated our virtual community to a new, more interactive platform. We moved our previously publicly available databases of Femtech startups and exits from our website to this new community. You can find the Femtech Institute, which is a self-guided women's health accelerator, to learn how to fundraise, build, and scale your company. I host weekly office hours where I would love to meet with all of you one-on-one. We have an events calendar of all the upcoming women health events around the world, and you have the ability to add yours too. Sounds awesome, right? Well, it's free to join and only $14.99 a month if you want to unlock the FEMPRO perks. Join the community by going to femtechfocus.org. The second big announcement is our upcoming virtual jobs fair with our partner at the Bowdoin Group on March 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Whether you're a student looking for an internship or post-graduation work or if you're a professional switching industries, this is a great opportunity for you. We'll have an incredible keynote interview with the Bowdoin group about the current state of the jobs market and what skills people need to work and be successful in femtech then you'll have the opportunity to meet virtually in different rooms with different companies and learn about their mission and open positions if you are a women's health company hiring this event is for you too whether you are looking for interns a co-founder making your first official hire scaling your team or filling out a whole department Companies from big to small can register to have a virtual booth and meet with hundreds of the top FemTech candidates around the world. Register at femtechfocus.org. Today's episode is brought to you by Witham. Withum is a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated FemTech team is proud to partner with the members of the FemTech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash FemTech. Alrighty, FemFans, in today's episode, I interview Dallas Barnes, the founder and CEO of Raya Health. Raya's digital solution makes navigating birth control easy and effective. Their smart algorithms utilize in-depth user profiles to match members with the right birth control solution for them. They also have a birth control boundary tracker system which supports users in managing any birth control side effects or symptoms. Dallas is from Ontario, where she resides with her cats and chickens. Before becoming an entrepreneur herself, Dallas consulted small businesses working closely with Indigenous entrepreneurs to build business plans and strategies. Now, Dallas' main focus is working towards revolutionizing the birth control experience for all birth control users, so females can feel more informed and confident. Our listeners get a special offer go to reahealth.ca and use promo code FEMTECH15 for 15% off your monthly membership and find the right birth control for you. That's Health, R-E-Y-A health dot C-A and promo code FEMTECH15. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Dallas, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Brittany. Yeah, thanks so much for
1: having me. I'm excited to be here. Very happy to have you on here. Do you remember when we first met? It was a long time ago. You've been one of my like little femtech mentors <laughs> that have been like around for a while. Do you yeah. Remember? No,
0: I do. I was reflecting on this before we started chatting here. Um, it was through the Guild Academy with uh. Anne Coquette and. This is like when I was just getting into thinking about, you know, entrepreneurship and where I had a fit within this crazy space. And I was going through this accelerator program, like taking an idea to launch. And you came in as a guest speaker and just gave like this fantastic, enthusiastic um you know presentation on women's health and just like where we need help and what's going on in the space and it was like holy shit that's it
1: <laughs> that's so great i'm so glad that you remember that cuz i i do so many speaking engagements i meet so many founders that sometimes i lose track of where we originally met so shout out to ann coquette she just had her own baby and she bought a blueberry farm in um in washington or oregon i can't oh. remember but And I shout out heard. to you, and shout out to the guild. It's an amazing virtual community for female yeah. founders trying to start their business. So that's so awesome. Well, I'm so glad you've come so far from being in that like ideas accelerator to being on yeah. the show crazy it's
0: pretty surreal sometimes but um yeah happy to like have had you in my corner this whole time it's been fantastic yeah
1: of course well we always love to kick off our interviews with learning more about you personally um where are you from where do you currently live (laughs) which I know right now is a little different because (laughs) you're you're working remote but tell us a little bit more about your background and your story
0: For sure. So I grew up in Canada, specifically in a rural town in southwestern Ontario. So I grew up with horses and chickens and just a lovely little rural time. Um, And then I went to Vancouver, BC and studied business there. And that's really where I explored the world of entrepreneurship. Um, I first got started mentoring and coaching small business and local entrepreneurs working primarily with indigenous entrepreneurs. And this was a fantastic opportunity and experience for me going into remote communities and running workshops and working with their um, chambers of commerce um, and really working alongside these entrepreneurs and helping them with business plans and revenue models and uh, their strategic growth. Um, And that was super fun. I love that job. But around the same time, I was going through some journeys within my health experience and specifically with birth control <laughs> and with not being able to find an option that I liked and going through years of a grueling trial and error process. And this really opened me up to how much we just don't know in the space and how much there's a lack of information and a lack of support so I really wanted to take matters into my own hands and create a solution that I wish I had, and also to help my friends who are also experiencing these struggles. Um, and so Raya kind of grew up from that. And when we met around the time where I was like, okay, what is this going to be? What do I do? <laughs> um, and yeah, grew into this founder journey that I am now on.
1: Amazing. What is Raya Health?
0: So we have a digital platform for reproductive health counseling, and we're just starting with birth control. So we use smart algorithms to match young people to the right birth control option for them and help them track and monitor their use of that option. So outlining birth control boundaries and tracking any side effects or
1: their overall symptoms of that option. Why was this something you were passionate about building?
0: really from my experience with birth control and just feeling totally lost and isolated um, through that process Mm -hmm. so I started birth control when I was about 16 or 17 and I knew there were condoms and the pill and I was starting to be sexually active so I'm like you know I'm trying to be proactive about my health I should go and you know get birth control so I go to my family doctor who's a older white male and had a very awkward conversation about a pill and was given an option that I can't remember the name of now because it was just kind of, you know, thrown at me. Um, And that, you know, kicked off experiencing side effects that I really wasn't comfortable with and changes in my body that I was not prepared for, was not warned about. And so tried different options, had the same experiences, um, tried, a few different pills tried the IUD, a bunch of different options under the sun, and all of which just left me feeling totally unlike myself. The IUD in particular, I started to develop ovarian cysts that were so painful. I the best the doctors could do was give me um, a doctor's note so that I uh, was excused from university classes, but I just couldn't get out of bed because the pain was so debilitating. Wow. Um, I had a couple of instances where I was admitted to the hospital because of this debilitating pain and experiences. And that was the last straw for me. I was like, this is insane. It should not be this difficult to find a birth control option that I feel confident with and like comfortable using. So I ended up taking a step back, removing my IUD, which was like a breath of fresh air for my mental health, my physical well-being. Um, And I started doing research. And I really wanted to understand all about birth control and the female body and how those two can work well together and really why they weren't working well for me at the time. And through that process, I found an option that I thought could work well for me and went to my doctor, asked for it, And I ended up using that option for years. One of the best birth control methods that I tried, that experience in itself was so empowering and liberating for me that I wanted to share it with my friends and family. And around the same time, I was trying to figure out my next move and actually COVID happened (laughs) and I um, was out of a job and just kind of yeah I thought okay well let's just see what we can do with this taking my experience and sharing it with friends and family and Rhea grew from that
1: well I have a lot of questions and I want to break down a lot of that story but before I forget let me ask you what was the final solution was it a type of pill but like a different variety or was it like what was the final thing that actually worked for you
0: so I went on a low dose triphasic pill. So this worked really well for me because I was really interested in having something, of course, that was, I had a low hormonal dose, um, but also with that triphase. So throughout um, the three week pack of those active ingredient pills, the hormonal dose changes. And this is intended to replicate the different hormonal fluctuations throughout a person's menstrual cycle. And I was really stoked on that idea.
1: That essentially has led you to feel healthy and sane and good?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean- I used that option for over two years and it was great. I, I really, really enjoyed yeah. it. That and that's
1: amazing. all you needed. You know, yeah. you went through all these pills and IUDs, which in itself is very painful. It's a day long procedure, not the whole procedure, but your recovery is like a whole day yeah. out of your day. You're putting something past your cervical boundary into your uterus. Right. So, wow, this is incredible. Let's back up a little bit here. Um, First of all, you're 16, proactively getting birth control. That's totally a Canadian thing to do and not U.S. (laughs) Not because we're not proactive young women in this country, but because uh, the vast majority of states in the United States don't even require sex ed to be scientifically uh, valid, which is insane. That's a real fact, y'all. Uh, and then I think there's like 12 states that mandate abstinence only. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. So the fact that you're 16 proactively getting birth control, kudos to you, kudos to your country, go just, you. You. um, <laughs> so what, um, when you did approach your physician and you said, you know, older white male, um, you know, what was that experience like? Because one of the things I like about your website, Raya health is that like, it kind of it handholds you, it feels like your friend, right? That's actually what you say on your homepage. You're like, this is your best friend or your birth control process. I am presume that physician was not your best friend, right? Like, what was that experience like to go there? Like, was your mom in the room? Like, do you, and if you don't recall, that's fine, but I'm just trying to dig into that that experience first.
0: Yeah, so my, I went by myself, actually. I was driving at the time. Um, and booked an appointment and you know I'm very blessed that I have very supportive parents but sex ed in Canada is still varying my experience with
1: sexual health education was like next to none really all right Um, never mind Canada sorry (laughs) I love you but I actually meant Dallas's parents are awesome
0: (laughs) you know you learn like oh this is how you put a condom on and like be careful if you have sex there's STIs in pregnancy and that's about it um, our like health is maybe one class a day or sorry, one day in a cl- in our health class. Um, so super limited in that capacity. So going into that doctor's visit, I really had no idea what to ask. I didn't really know what I wanted. Um, I knew, you know, birth control, of course, but I had no idea where to begin, where to start. Um, and it was a little awkward. Like this doctor also saw my dad, who I was not, you know, talking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And this is often a lot of people's experiences. So these conversations, a lot is unfortunately left out and we're not digging deep and having these in-depth conversations that really um, promote, you know, finding that perfect match for somebody. Um, So we get into this problem of, doctors, you know, going through this process of, um, of course, figuring out if there's any contraindications why that person shouldn't have a certain option or use a certain option. But doctors are also really busy people, and they may only have 10 or 15 minutes with each patient, and that's really not enough time to dive deep into these, you know, all the different options available, the potential side effects, uh, what you should be prepared for when going to try one of these options and really having a full picture of that person's preferences and lifestyle. So what often ends up happening and what happened to me in this initial conversation was that, you know, the doctors have what they're most familiar with, or what if they have free samples of something, and that's not always what's best for that particular person. Um, So in my case, I went in, didn't really have a question or, you know, these this conversation was sort of pushed along and he was like, well, just try this one. And I'm like, okay, you say so. <laughs> and that happens all too often. And I think that's a huge root of this problem why people are having to try five or more different options and take an average of two years to find an option that they like or they give up. And that's not you know, the birth control world that we should be living in and people shouldn't have to settle for um, Side effects and these this gruel, grueling trial and error
1: process. Yeah. I w- I didn't even know there was multiple types of the pill. Like yes. I just thought the pill was the pill was the pill. <laughs> um, I have Dang. my own experience, a uh, poor experience with birth control, um, and I've talked about it on previous episodes. I once was on a pill that um, when I had my period, my breasts grew twice in size, which was sometimes really cool but also really painful. Like I couldn't I work out so. that week. Like I had a, I couldn't like my chest was sore. Like it was crazy, crazy. And I eventually went to the doctor cause I was a PhD student. And I really didn't have that much time. Eventually went to the doctor for something else. And I said, by the way, while I'm here, my birth control, like increases my breast to like almost a D cup. And she was like, what? Like that is what are you on here? Let me look. And then she was like, wow, this is super high in hormones. Like you do not need that high. Um, And I remember the reason I got put on that one was because previously my period was like breaking through when it shouldn't be on the wrong weeks. And that physician must've been like, oh, we'll change you to this one with higher hormones. And it, you know, it did make my period happen when it needed to happen, but it also resulted in my body, like really going into full-blown pregnancy almost, you know, like, um, and so like, and then. You know, and I've shared on this show before that I've had an abortion and that abortion or that pregnancy, excuse me, was caused by changing birth control pills. I was in between pills. I was, you know, I didn't have my period. I thought maybe it's because I'm changing pills, but it was because I got pregnant, you know? And um, so sometimes the symptoms are ovarian cysts. Sometimes the symptoms are pregnancy, right? Like it could be so bad. Let's dive into that. What are all the symptoms that women can't experience from the pill? Because yes, I've had some of these symptoms, but I've heard women say like, I go crazy on birth control. Like, what are they talking about when they say that?
0: Yeah. And this is something that unfortunately we really just don't have enough information on. There's of course those common side effects that people experience, but there's other experiences that people have that are not unfortunately at this stage statistically significant to be included in those like common side effects that people do warn you about but their experiences are still totally valid and I think that is super disheartening for people to have those lived experiences going to their physician and being like this is how I feel and they're like well there's no evidence to say that that is from your birth control and like that is so disheartening and you know dismissing
1: of that person. But you're a human and you're like, yeah, but I started this pill. This symptom happened. I stopped taking the pill. The symptom didn't happen. Like, you know, just because you didn't read it on New York Times, like, it's my life. I know. This is still happening to
0: me for sure. And that's totally valid. Um, So when I'm talking about these side effects that people can experience, um, they're unfortunately the ones that we only have information for. So call out to all researchers. (laughs) um but oftentimes when people experience negative side effects it's generally from um, the hormones and side effects associated with these hormones and this is when the dose or so the level of estrogen or progestin within the option that they're using is not compatible so they should either have a higher dose or a lower dose or the type of progestin used in that birth control method is not compatible with them. So there are a few different generations of progestins, um, and some have different effects on the endometrium, and this is really important to pay attention to when someone is experiencing a certain side effect. There can be an association to a certain progestin generation that is causing them to have that experience. And even if we just change that small little thing within the active ingredient of an option, it can be monumental in that person's um, use of that option and how they're feeling and what changes their body undergoes. So, you know, some common ones across the board are mood changes, um, mood swings, uh, changes within someone's sex drive or their libido. Uh, Skin is a huge one, and
1: weight gain is something... What do you mean by skin? Give us the gory details here. What do you mean by skin?
0: <laughs> yep, so acne, um, changing in blemishes. So either you know somebody could experience dry skin or someone could then experience oily skin or having pimples or acne that they never had before or didn't have as much of. If someone is um, already has acne, it could perpetuate that. And on the flip side, birth control can... Assist in these areas if it's matched properly. So people go on birth control for all sorts of reasons beyond just pregnancy prevention. And a big one is, you know, skin and helping manage that, helping manage painful periods or symptoms from other conditions like PCOS and endometriosis. And sometimes this um, is often left out of the conversation. And it's totally valid, you know. I know many, a few of my friends went on birth control when they were pretty young and they weren't even sexually active. And they were scared to do that openly because, you know, unfortunately our society shames people who have sex at a certain age, whatever, what is, you know, that. It's a whole other conversation. Yes, Um, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, birth control can help some of these symptoms that people are experiencing or could perpetuate them in a negative way.
1: Yeah. It's so funny you say that because the reason I got put on birth control at 13 is because I was having ovarian cysts to the point that I had to have surgery to remove a very large one that if it went, if it exploded, I would have gone kind of toxic sepsis inside. You know what? You know what Dallas? Um, It was, The scariest part, and this is so sad. I want to hug 13-year-old Brit. The scariest part was whether or not I should shave my pubic hair. And I swear to God, that was my biggest concern as a 13-year-old girl who hadn't had my... also want to hug 13-year-old Brit. I just want to hug her, hug her, hug her, because... I must have I got my first period on my 13th birthday. I'll never forget. I w- we I went to the uh movie theater with some girl, like girlfriends and uh and I got my period at the movie theater, 13th birthday, true story. But I must have been maybe like 8 months into my period um and I was getting a lot of um, pain and then eventually I was getting so much pain that my mom was like, "All right, this is not gas. Like something's wrong." Mm-hmm. And she took me in and they they did ultrasound, huge cyst. And they said, okay, we need to go do surgery in two days. So tomorrow you need to see an OB-GYN for the first time in your life tomorrow. Like, and then the next day she's going to do surgery on you, she or he. And it was an old lady was my OB-GYN, God bless her, wherever she is in the world. I'm sure she's retired by now. And uh, my biggest concern was whether or not when I saw her for the, my pre-op and then during the surgery, if I should shave my pubic hair or not. Because my biggest concern was if I don't, they'll think I'm like weird because I've heard or i.e. watched through porn, like that, that's, you know, women are mostly not hairy. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, but if I do, they'll think I'm a slut. I know, I know little 13 year olds, like in the world, I just want to hug all of them because like, that's literally when you say, what was your biggest fear? That was my biggest fear. Um, so anyways, fast forward, I had the surgery, got put on birth control and that's, that's essentially the story is that I've been on birth control since 13. And through this show, I've actually considered maybe I should get off hormonal birth control because there's like, you know, this incredible industry is teaching me all this stuff, but I actually have been thinking, I don't know if I can, because I have this ovarian cyst issue. So like, what are, mm-hmm. what are even my solutions? Like, what's my what do I do? Like for me, the cyst forms when the egg is released. So like, I just, I need to not ever release eggs and maybe copper IUDs and a non-hormonal option, but, or fex. Oh no, fexy still lets your ovary ovulate anyways. um, But I'm in a conundrum. I'm in a, I'm in a pickle, right? Where I'm like, I need this. So I don't ovulate. So don't get a cyst. I don't get surgery. But I also like, what if I have, what if I want to live my life any other way besides taking hormones every day, you know?
0: Totally. And so many people experience this same conundrum that it's like, you know, what are the trade-offs, you know, that like yeah. we're going through the cost benefit. And um, unfortunately, like we need, we're at this great place and time where we do have a lot of options and access to options, but we still need more and more information on birth control and these comorbidities and how they work well together um, and how they can, you know, support one another and that transition off, you know. Um, I feel feel like
1: there needs to be a solution for ovarian cysts because I feel like I hear a lot about it and I hear like it's just almost like what your doctor said where it's just like, well, no more IUD for you, we're going to switch to yeah. this or like keep your IUD, but we'll give you an absentee pass. You know, it's like, that's not, cannot be the solution here. Y'all no, my <laughs>
0: solution was literally like, suck it up. You're still in this, you know, trial phase of this new option. Your body's still adjusting. I'm like, yeah. it's been six months. I get that. I get like, you know, that your body has to adjust, but I've been, I've been patient. Yes. <laughs> and, they're like you know just keep keep holding on keep holding on and so that was actually um a big thing that's formed into one of our primary features at Raya is like your birth control boundaries so what are you as an individual willing to tolerate in terms of changes within your body and your day-to-day experience and you know if your birth control goes beyond that boundary or starts pushing it, like, what are we going to do about it? What do you want to do about it? And let's have a conversation around it and really put you at the forefront and your so needs.
1: Empowering. and desires. Yeah, so empowering. Oh, this is such a great conversation actually also reminds me like literally every woman in our lives, we have a story of this right like so my sister had the uh, injected in a shot of birth control and she bled like crazy, like full blown heavy flow for multiple months. She was hospitalized because she was so anemic and they were like, you're due for your shot. And like, she's like, I'm hospitalized because I have no more blood left. And they were like, just trust the process. This is a rare side effect, but like, that's fine. And I was like, and this is pre-femtech focus for me. And I'm like, that doesn't seem normal that the doctors are like, I know you're losing all your blood to the point that we have to supplement it. But like, here's another shot. <laughs> like what? <Yeah. laughs> every woman um, has a story. If you're a man listening, I promise you, ask a woman in your life. <laughs> this
0: is a story. story. Yeah. And it's so, it's so, you know, eye-opening to me and sad to me when I have these conversations with men and they're like, oh, I had no idea that was a problem. No I'm idea. like, who do you hang out with? Do not have <laughs> what
1: but I you know and I I'm very pro men in the show of men you know I love yeah but uh I think it's not their fault all the way right there's a certain amount of curiosity I would I in you know invite them to have but also like society tells us to hide our tampons in our sleeve right like so why would we talk about like oh I'm on my 10th day of heavy menstrual bleeding like we don't necessarily. You know, how often do you see in a boardroom a woman say, Oh, excuse me, I just my period just came. I need to run to the restroom. Like, we don't we're not allowed to say things like that, really. One day, one day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the gym this week and I had a huge camel toe and I left it. Cause I yes. was like, this is what my body looks like. You know, no one's gonna shame me to pull my camel toe out.
0: <laughs> no, we need to be doing that. And it's so true. Like me now being in this space, like I feel like it's my personal prerogative and like my obligation to have more of these conversations openly in front of men and like I can do that I'm comfortable doing that and yep. I feel like it's my calling to do that yes. and people, you know they might be a little bit uncomfortable but invite them into that conversation and share openly um luckily for me it's been my experience where they're very open to you know receiving we that do. and like very empathetic and they yes.
1: have yes. mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah. Well, we've gone down a rabbit hole, which I'm known to do, and I love it, and I don't mind whatsoever. But I do want to ask you, how many types of birth control are there?
0: Yeah, this is a wonderful question. Um, And it's kind of multi-layered. So you can categorize birth control in a number of different ways. Um, And overall, there's about, you know, a dozen options, but then there's multiple options within each. So For starters, you can categorize birth control in non-hormonal and hormonal options. Um, On the non-hormonal side, you have things like your barrier methods, so internal and external condoms, and these are the only ones that protect against sexually transmitted infections. And then you have things like the diaphragm and the contraceptive sponge, fertility awareness method, Um, so a few different ones underneath of that umbrella, and then on the hormonal side, it's you know, tons, and can kind be of messy, but we have the hormonal IUD, um, the pill, which we talked about, has so many different types underneath of it. So you have progestin-only pills and different types of progestin-only pills under that. You have the combo pill and different types under that. Um, the extended options like Seasonal and Seasonique. So there's a lot to even just unpack from the OCP side of things. Um, we then have, as we've talked about here briefly, the depot. So, Depot Probera, the shot, um, implant.
1: Oh, yeah, There's- the implant in the arm. Kate Morton, yeah. founder of Funkit Wellness, she was like, Yep, <laughs> I had symptoms and they couldn't find the freaking thing. They put my arm, it had like migrated somewhere, and they were like, You'll need major surgery for us to dig into your bicep. And she was like, What? Like, I have to decide between the symptoms I'm, you know, my life's ruining or, like, getting the surgery to dig into my arm. Anyways, yep. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And to be fair, there, per country and even per state, um, different options are available in different places. So, the implant for us, actually, in Canada wasn't available until just this past fall. Wow. though it had been available in over 30 countries for nearly a decade. Yeah. That's just, you know, registration things. Um, the implant is, you know, totally safe and people use it. People have been using it for years. You know, sometimes it works better for other people than it mm-hmm. does for some. But um, yeah, so it it is varying across the board. So some people might have different access to options, but generally those are like the buckets. If you
1: are want. you able to just kind of from your gut how i regardless of country and what is offered in your you know your where you live what is what how many birth controls are there like with between ring injections pills like what's it kind of a give or take amount
0: um including all the different types of like pills and like yep. brand options yeah probably like a hundred over a hundred over a hundred and it's funny because you're in the US, I'm in Canada. We could have the same pill, the basically the same active ingredient and you'll have like five different brand names and different variations of it. And like Canada might have like five different brand names and variations of it, but it's like essentially the same. Yeah, so.
1: yeah. Wow. And is there any birth control for men besides condoms?
0: Um, <laughs> I mean- abstinence. Um, <laughs> withdrawal, honestly, withdrawal method. That's one that's like yeah. very, you know, u- widely used condoms. Um, and there should be more. I know that there and are that the
1: point I was getting yeah. to because it's like well over 100 for women and like withdrawal for men. I had a friend yeah. in my uh, PhD program and he was actually working in a laboratory trying to study sperm. Like we can make a drug against sperm, y'all. Come on, we can do this. Yeah. And uh, I remember in his, like, he was practicing for his, like, defense, and he had the problem slide, right? Kind of similar to a pitch deck. And it was like a Venn diagram of all the ways that um, women have birth control. And then men, it said condoms. And then it it was a Venn diagram. And so the thing in the middle said withdrawal. And I, I didn't realize what withdrawal was. And I was like, what's withdrawal? And he was like, it's pulling out. And I was like, oh, my god pulling out is in your freaking phd thesis and he's like it's like all there that's like one of the options for men and he put it in the center because he was like what he he considered it a dual choice for pull out right but it's crazy crazy it
0: is crazy and it's um you know one of those myths if you will or you know how society has placed the responsibility of birth control on the uterus owner um and that's just, you know, unfair and something that is way overdue to be changed.
1: <laughs> how big is the birth control market?
0: Um in, in terms of like,
1: I guess global or give us Canada or North America, but like how much money is, is this market?
0: Yeah, well, um, there's o- nearly a billion people worldwide who use some sort of birth control. And this is just solely female.
1: Um, solutions. And how many women are in the world?
0: About 4 billion.
1: So like a quarter of all women are on some form of birth control. That, mm-hmm. That's a big market size. <laughs> I mean, like you might, I mean, we may as well be talking about the market size of toilet paper or like, you know, <laughs> like an everyday commodity that the majority of the world has access to, right? Like, because that's a huge amount. Wow, that's a huge amount. And do you, um, being working in the space, are you seeing a lot of innovation in birth control? I mean, I've heard there's some, some companies trying to work on a male birth control. I've, you know, Fexy, i big fan of Fexy and Evofem Biosciences, their pH modulating birth control, but is there other innovations happening?
0: Yeah, there are, for sure, which is really exciting to see. Um, yeah, as you say, there's some companies now tackling the male contraceptive problem and like super excited for this. Um, yeah, well no. <laughs> I I think there's been more of a push and a call. And I think this is an area of women's health and femtech that um, needs more innovation, but certainly coming more into light of more non-hormonal options. We are quite in this capacity right now. So there is fertility awareness method, and this is a great option. However, it can sometimes be like super inaccessible for people. It requires a lot of daily habit building um, and, you know, that being very diligent on taking your basal body temperature, tracking a whole bunch of things. And that's not everyone's day-to-day experience or
1: capacity Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, the consequence, sure. if you're in the United States could be that you may live in Texas and not even have access to abortion. So like the consequences, you're going to be a mom, you know, like you're going to have a baby because what else you do? You know, you don't have a backup plan there.
0: Totally. And then we're back at this like dilemma of, okay, do I go through these, you know, bleeding till I'm anemic or yep. a very yep. or, you know, risk pregnancy? And it's like, they're both very detrimental in someone's life if it's, you know, premature and you're picking between the lesser of two evils and that should yeah. not be the case. Birth yeah. control is healthcare and it should not be this difficult. Yeah. Again, going on, <laughs> down a rabbit hole here, but non-hormonal methods, I think there's a lot of room for improvement and expansion. Um, I know there was one option that came out um, relatively recent. It's called um, Ballerina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think it's an IUD.
0: It is. And it's like a, a different shaped IUD. So it morphs a little bit more to you know, the curves of somebody's uterus or movement in the body. Whereas the IUD is like a stationary little object. Um, but this option still uses the, uh, I believe it's the copper material. So it's non-hormonal um, and it's supposed to be, have lesser, Um, side effects in terms of bleeding and cramping because it uh, is a little bit more fluid in the design from my understanding.
1: Yes. I actually know it's Ocon, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ocon is the company, O-C-O-N and they're out of Israel and you're right. Instead of a T-shaped device, it's a a sphere. It's a sphere essentially. Mm -hmm. So we got to get Karen on the show. I know Karen's (laughs) the CEO. We got to get her on the show. Um, What is the current... um, physician-like protocol for prescribing birth control? We just talked about there could be potentially over 100 different types to choose from. So today, how do doctors prescribe which one they pick?
0: And each physician kind of has their own process of doing this. Um, There's, of course, like going through contraindications, which I'm meaning medical history. So if somebody is at risk for blood clots or they um, show migraines with aura, some of these conditions or medications that somebody's on um, will deem that, you know, them using a hormonal option is unsafe, um, specifically estrogen. Um, Oftentimes, if people have...
1: Sorry, can you quickly tell us what do you mean by the migraines?
0: Yeah, so um, there's been studies that have shown that if people have migraines with aura, so if they kind of Um, I don't have migraines, so I don't have, you can't really (laughs) speak to it. But if they are seeing things that kind of have like a light aura around objects, um, this will indicate that estrogen, um, for whatever reason, is incompatible with
1: their, with their body so they up what that seems so random but also like why the hell don't we know understand that like that's really crazy because migraines disproportionately affect women and we don't know why and so the fact that you're gonna not prescribed estrogen-based birth control because it's not good for women with migraines with the, and you said aura, I kept thinking the aura ring and I was like, aura ring, mm-hmm. giving people migraines? No, you mean like seeing stuff while you have yeah. a migraine. Wow, that's a crazy, crazy thing, okay. And
0: I, just, I just lack the medical context to really explain why, but generally with somebody who has severe headaches or migraines, they would be okay, but it's when they have that aura piece within it that like goes the different level. Um, so this is one of those major questions that all physicians ask um, when having the conversation about which birth control could work for somebody. And then beyond the like major contraindications and going through someone's medical history, this is when <laughs> we get into what the particular interest is of the physician in this area. So. Some physicians are super excited and passionate about women's health and contraceptives and having these conversations with their patients, so they may spend, you know, 30 minutes plus with an individual going through all of their preferences, lifestyle, all the different options, and this is fantastic. There are also women's health clinics and um, in Canada, sexual health clinics that are solely dedicated to having these types of conversations, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, not everybody has access to these services. Um, so we're you know trying to meet people where they're at. But within the like general contraceptive counseling conversation, it's overall like quite basic, but varying depending on you know where the interest
1: lies of that physician. And when you say where the interest lies, do you mean like with their own personal preferences? like, I don't know, like is that what you mean? <laughs> Kind of like (laughs) generally
0: um, within our market research and what we've seen taking place, female doctors take more time than male doctors in the contraceptive counseling process. Generally, Um, other female doctors may go out of their way to, um, you know, get further up to date on the different options. They might do their own reading or they just have a particular, yeah interest in women's health and in the contraceptive counseling space that they are more excited and willing to have these longer conversations.
1: Alice this has been such an awesome conversation and um, if you're looking listeners for birth control trying to figure out which one definitely check out Raya Health. Um, but we have two last questions for you that our listeners really love. The first one is um, we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen so what's an area in women's health that still needs innovating?
0: Um, well, non-hormonal birth control options in my personal opinion, but I would love to see some innovation taking place within remote communities and serving people there with these wonderful solutions that we have today. Um, a lot of people just don't have the same equal access to those options just based on where they live. So any innovations and solutions pushing towards, um, increasing that access piece for remote communities would be amazing and incredible and maybe one day rhea can help with that too
1: (laughs) what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful
0: i think more um females investors and female uh, people within decision making powers as well as diverse people in these roles and positions why do you say that I think it's just better representation of communities that are disproportionately affected by these issues that we are trying to solve and working towards within Femtech and having those people within the ultimate, like decision-making roles of where funds are allocated and what happens within this industry. I think we will then really be able to address root causes.
1: Mm -hmm. Dallas, thank you so much for your time today. I am so proud of you watching you grow and ask me advice over the years. It's been really cool to see you come to where you are now, which is a, you know, a live business. It's So awesome. Thank you
0: so much. I really appreciate that. Um, Thanks for making the space for me talking about birth control on this platform and all of the other support that you provide me and Raya. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for listening to my interview with Dallas Barnes, the founder and CEO of Raya Health. Go to reahealth.ca and use promo code FEMTECH15 for 15% off your monthly membership and find the right birth control for you. That's reahealth, R-E-Y-A, health.ca and use promo code FEMTECH15. Alrighty, Fem fans, don't forget to register for our Jobs Fair happening on March 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Join our new virtual community and become a FemPro member for only $14.99 a month to access all of our assets of the FemTech community like our databases and self-guided FemTech Accelerator. Please consider supporting FemTech Focus by giving the show a five-star review and becoming a monthly donor to our organization. Subscribe to our newsletter and know all the new events coming up. All this can be done at femtechfocus.org. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.